Wow, well, it's the second day of spring. It certainly feels like it. Some years it doesn't, uh, but we're so glad to be here uh, together and uh, celebrate what God's doing. And um, so we have some special things we're uh, thinking about today, too, uh, with communion, and, and then we have baptism next week. So uh, a lot of great things going on uh, for our church and family, and I want to uh, just welcome you as well. If you're online uh, watching this, you watch it later, then we're glad you're here, too, okay? Uh, and so today, uh, we're in our series. Uh, we've been in this series uh, for several weeks uh, this is a, a series of new life, and so we've kind of come out of last year and um, just have to ask ourselves the question, what does new life look like? Um, what does a new normal look like? We've heard that phrase before. Uh, some of us have longed for that uh, during a long year of hardship, and some of us go, well, not a lot changed for me. And so wherever you're coming from right now, um, we know that God's got something for us this morning, and the title of today's message is Just Living Faithful. Uh, as we've kind of been through this difficult season and talking about new life, today we're going to be looking at living faithful. And I want you to remember this phrase, the phrase to remember, faithfulness in a faithless time. Now, we've all felt like that from time to time, and maybe you feel like that now, that um, there's a lot of faithlessness going on, and we want to be faithful um, during this season and during this time. Uh, and so if you haven't already turned your Bibles, go ahead and grab them and turn to Psalm chapter 12, Psalm chapter 12. <clears throat> And there's a short video I wanted to share with you just about um, faith versus fear. Um, In the season that we've been in and trying to um, walk in a new life, and now today looking at um, this idea of living faithful, um, sometimes we need a little bit of perspective. Um, So go ahead and turn your attention to the screens, and then we'll get going in Psalm 12. Hi, I'm Faith. And I'm Fear. And we're here to talk about... How do you do that? Do... What? Stay so composed. Why wouldn't I be? You never know when you might get hit by a runaway moped. Is that common? Aren't you afraid of what happens when you die? Well, no. Not really. Oh, that's right. You believe you'll go to a place where there are gumdrop mountains and lollipop woods. You mean heaven? Yeah, with your chocolate swamps and your forests made of peppermint. I think you're talking about Candyland. I love that game. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> There you go, faith versus fear. That's a a short video, but it illustrates something for us, uh, that in this season, um, sometimes it's hard not to gravitate towards fear, right? A fear of the unknown, fear of things that we do know, Uh, but God always wants us to go back to being faithful. So no matter what else is going on around us, he's given us the keys to be able to do that. And uh, David writes about it. I'm here in Psalm chapter 12. Now, if you don't have any background um, in the Bible or in the Old Testament or the book of Psalms, uh, then Psalms were given to us for a few reasons and written by a number of different people. Uh, David wrote over half of the Psalms, and so we we have that understanding. And most of the Psalms that will be in this series uh, are Psalms that were written by David. And Psalm specifically writes this, David specifically writes this Psalm uh, as a Psalm of Lament. So he writes a few of these. Uh, In this Psalm in particular, um, he's writing about uh, the wickedness, the things that are going on around him uh, that seem like they're just overbearing, or there's this weight um, that sits on him, and and I'm sure we can relate to that, that sits on us at times, and we just go, God, how do we be faithful? How do we remain faithful in a time that seems like it's faithless? 
And so as you walk through the book of Psalms, you'll see kind of a predominant theme uh, that the book's given to us just to kind of help us uh, navigate. It's a lot of songs, and so it's where we get some of our hymns, it's where we get some of our contemporary worship, and, and God gave it to us for that reason, but also uh, that we might look at it in its entirety, uh, which is hard to do. So if you listen to it kind of uh, straight uh, through, um, I like to do that, just listen to the audio. Uh, it'll take you multiple days, pretty much listening all day long. Uh, and so I did that back into the fall, and what I kept seeing as I was just getting ready for this series uh, was that God wants us to be able to navigate uh, the highs and the lows of life. Um, Whether it's good times, whether it's bad times, uh, David went through all of those and certainly all the rest of the authors for the book of Psalms and we get to benefit from that today. And so hopefully you're already in Psalm chapter 12. The first fill in the blank is going to be no authority, no authority. Um, So we see a problem that David presents and when he He starts talking in verse 1. He says this, Save, O Lord, for the godly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Um, Now, have you ever felt like this? Um, Whatever season maybe you've been in, and maybe it's at work, uh, maybe it's at school, uh, maybe it's just being out and about. Uh, You know, it almost feels like we're kind of in this... um, uh, this repetitious season of like the holidays. Everybody's you know, still wearing masks wherever we go, and there's still kind of things in place that just make us feel anxious, right? Or make us feel kind of nervous, uh, depending on where you go. And some of us are still getting used to this idea of coming back to church, right? Um, or going back and doing normal things like going into a grocery store, right? Instead of doing the whole, you know, pickup thing. Um, and so we've all kind of dealt with this season in different ways. But David, he, um, he doesn't just pretend things aren't wrong, right? He knows that we, just like we do now, he lived in a place that was broken, a broken world. And through God's help, um, trying to provide order to the kingdom, he notices some things. And so we've all felt like that from time to time. And David acknowledges it. He says, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. And in verse 2, he says, Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart. They speak. And so um, there's another place for this idea of really not having any authority um, in our lives through God and His Word. Uh, that's been a kind of a big theme, even in the last year as well. Nobody can tell me what to do, right? Um, or even the authority that we have has been abused. And so we have to kind of deal with some of those concepts and look at what David says and go, what is he, what is he trying to tell us here? What does God want us to hear? Well, uh, when it says, with flattering lips and a double heart, if you look at it in the Hebrew, uh, it's literally the, the word just heart is repeated twice. So if you're reading through it, it would, it would sound maybe a little bit more like this, with flattering lips and a heart heart they speak. Now there's a problem with that, isn't there, right? <laughs> Most people don't have two hearts. But what David's referring to is this idea that people have multiple allegiances, right? Uh, and, and even in this season, we, we want to see the benefits of, of living in a, uh, a community, right? Of having the benefits of that, of being taken care of, and, uh, and having uh, people around us who would, you know, if there's a fire, like, all right, a fire department would come and put that out. Uh, so we want those benefits, but at the same time, uh, sometimes we've seen in this season, people don't like some of the other aspects of that, right? Um, police have been a big uh, part of that in the last year. People don't like the police now, right? Because, well, that kind of thing's always been around, right? That we would have people who would care for us, who would come to us in a time of aid. And, and David's saying, look, there's, there's a season going on where people, they have multiple allegiances. They care about a lot of different things, and they're not unified on God. And so as I was thinking about this, I was going, man, David, seems like a tough time, right? Seems like a hard time. And I was thinking about this last season for the Buffalo Bills. I was going, well, 
it's been tough for Buffalo Bills fans, hasn't it? You know, for years and years, like no playoff games in this last year, uh, playoffs, right? And so they've been doing pretty well. And, and I, I was just thinking about that. We, we almost need like a faith that's strong, right? Like Buffalo Bills fans. What do we call it? Buffalo, uh, was it Buffalo Mafia or Bills Mafia? Yeah, I'm still trying to get used to all those different terms and what people say. Uh, but yeah, we, we need that perspective, that attitude when it comes to God of being faithful, right? It's easy when like one team's doing well and you're like, I like that team, right? Or you get the hat, like they're going to the Super Bowl, they're going to go all the way, but to be faithful no matter what, well, that's another story. And David sees it all around. He sees that people have heart hearts. They have double allegiances to different things, and, and he wants the people to understand, hey, there's, this is going to go bad, right? Now, we see this all around us, and we want to be faithful, but David's going to not acknowledge this perspective of those who have no authority in their lives other than themselves, or just the things that they like from time to time. And in verse 3, it says, May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boasts. Now we read that, we go, man, David, that's kind of harsh, man. But what have we seen throughout the Psalms that we've read? Well, God makes everything right. He restores everything. And so there's going to be this answer to um, injustice or hardship or difficult times. Now, whatever perspective you take, um, and I like that uh, Matt talked about um, Spurgeon. So I haven't had a Spurgeon quote in a long time, and I actually wrote down one in the message for that this week, so it's interesting that he said that. Uh, Spurgeon said this about verse 3, they will not be able to continue to speak falsely and proudly, for over a shovel of earth from the gravedigger's spade will silence them, and a terrible display of God's justice will make them speechless forever. Now, when you read that, it's kind of hard not to get past that, right? To go, man, God's going to make things right. He's, he's not going to shy away from the things that he sees that are wrong, from these double allegiances or us having a double heart. And David goes, this is real. It's present. And he wasn't just talking about people who are outside of the kingdom of God, right? He was talking about people who were inside of the kingdom, and he was going, we can't be like this. We've got to be different. We've got to have pe- people who, are, who have one heart towards the Lord, um, not these double hearts, because here's what, what happens. God is going to take care of this. He's going to address it. And then in verse 4, it says, Those who say with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us, who is master over us. So after he's got done going through this, he says, hey, people have this uh, double heart. Uh, we're all the faithful people. And here's what the Lord's going to do. And then he says here in verse 4, with our tongue we will prevail. And this is, again, this perspective of someone who says, no one tells me what to do. No one rules over me. There is no authority. There is no God. And this person says, who is master over us? We know this is a, it's a dangerous place to be, right? Um, that we would not submit to anyone, right? The benefits of living in a culture and a society with rules and laws, which God gives to us to remind us about himself. And it says this in Colossians 4.1, uh, there, there's always a master, right? There's always somebody that we serve. We know it uh, for most of us that it is God. And in verse 1 of Colossians 4, it says this, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Um, so, so while people can say, there's no one that can tell me what to do. Maybe someone's a CEO of a company or they own their own business. But the truth is that we all have a master. And so the Gospels talk about this, that um, we, will, we will follow one thing or another. We'll have this double heart, this double allegiance, and we will submit to one thing or another. And we can't have multiple masters, right? Now, we eventually fall in this place of worshiping one thing or another. And for a lot of the world, it's just themselves. And so we want to think about these things and know that we do 
live under authority. We do live under um, rule and law, and that should point us towards God. And I love in Colossians, if you go back to the chapter before that in 3, um, Paul gives another reminder that uh, children are given some, some instructions, some marching orders by parents. And now all these structures are given to us to point back to this ultimate authority that's God. So when we say, when someone says there is no authority, well, that goes bad really quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> when there is, uh, there is supposedly no authority or no one who can tell us what to do, including the Lord. So I like this in Colossians 3.20 because we have little kids and we're trying to remind them of that right now. It says in verse 20 of Colossians 3, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I've reminded our girls about that a few times. Maybe you've done that with your kids. Remember doing what mom and dad said, it, it pleases the Lord. Well, if we're being honest, that, that pleases us too, right? When, when our children obey, but, but maybe when you were a child, you've had a little bit different perspective, right? Mom and dad, they can't tell me what to do. They're crazy. They don't know what's right. Clearly, this would be more fun, so I'm going to do that. And then what happens? It almost always goes bad, right? Uh, I'm going to do what I think is best, and then things go bad. And there's crying, and there's holding, and embracing. Yeah, I, I did say that would go bad, didn't I? Yeah, okay. I still love you. Let me help you with whatever's happened now. And so we need that reminder, like over and over again, that we do have to submit to a master. At some point, no matter who you are, you're going to have to come to that realization that you serve something. And maybe it's just yourself, but we know being faithful means following God and being faithful to Him. And we have all these reminders in our lives that God gives us to point us in that direction. So I love the book of Jude. It gives us a, um, it's kind of another direction, another reminder to push us in this direction. In Jude, verse 17 of the one chapter in Jude, it says, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show the mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by sin. So we can have kind of this, um, this prideful perspective too as we look at this idea of no authority and as David's saying, here's how those who don't know God act, here's how the unfaithful act, and we can kind of go like, um, yeah, huh, faithful, those guys are bad. They're, they're naughty and, man, tough spot to be in. But yet God's Word reminds us that we are supposed to do something about this and have a right perspective. Um, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting on the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. So we've got this perspective that we're faithful. This leads to eternal life. And Jude reminds us that we should, what, have mercy on those who doubt, Right? So as we walk through this, and, and as David tells us this 3,000 years ago, and as we're um, looking at uh, this in Jude, uh, a reminder that there's a perspective we're supposed to have, right? I'm not to be the ones who, we go to church, and we follow Jesus, and we're faithful, so we can treat people poorly, right? That's not what God's Word says at all. Um, but David, and here in the book of Jude, reminds us that we're supposed to be doing something about this. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So God here, and, and, and God throughout the Scriptures as we look, um, he's, he's not saying, hey, 
uh, all the terrible things that happen in the world, like we should be happy about that. That's not what he's saying, but what he is saying is there's going to be things that go on that are wicked. There's going to be sin, and we should go, man, that, uh, I don't want to be a part of that, but I don't hate the person who uh, exhibits sin, right? I hate the sin itself, and I want to look at that person and go, I need to extend mercy, and I need to extend love, and I need to say, hey, here's a better way that you can do this. And so we need to think about these things, that David gives us this to us, that God gave it to David to give to us, and we need to be reminded that there, this idea of people not having authority or saying there is no authority is going to be present always, right? And so we need to be able to have the right perspective. And David um, turns it for us here in verse 5, and he gives that to us. And so this is the second fill-in-the-blank ultimate authority, ultimate authority. So we know the world sees this perspective of no authority, right? Well, we see this perspective of ultimate authority, those who are faithful. And so it says in verse 5, Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety for which he belongs. So what do we know that God does in his authority? Well, he reminds us, just like um, a child who needs a picture of authority, where do they get that first? From parents, right? And so that's why we see as, um, as society breaks down in any culture, it normally starts with the family unit, right? Um, so when you see that it's uh, maybe more difficult for a dad to be in the picture or a mom or maybe um, kids go to a foster home, and we wonder why those kids struggle, right? Or why it's more difficult for them to have this concept of real authority or ultimate authority. And why at some point a society that practices those things or doesn't really support the family unit, mom and dad being that source of authority, teaching them how to live and work in society and ultimately about God, we come to a bad place, right? Now, as I was a kid growing up in Fort Worth, Texas, um, I, of course, knew my parents were there, so that was the authority which I rebelled against, you know, as most kids do from time to time. Uh, but then there was this show that came on that I loved, Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> you may have heard of it. Uh, and so if you lived in Texas, it was a much bigger deal than if you did not, okay? Uh, so it was based in Dallas. It was about the Texas Rangers. And so, you know, Chuck Norris was a star of this, of this TV series, uh, and um, uh, the tagline when TV shows, you know, used to have songs, right, where they would sing, perform, which I love. We don't, I don't, why don't we do that anymore? Uh, so there would be a tagline, right? And so in that tagline, I kind of got this concept like of, what, you know, what is God like? Maybe he's like the Texas Rangers, uh, because in the line it says, um, the eyes of the ranger are upon you. Uh, anywhere you go, he's going to see, because when you're in Texas, look behind you, because that's where the ranger's going to be. Now, that sounds scary, right? That sounds a little bit creepy, but when it comes down to it, um, we, we develop those ideas of authority and kind of how God views us and how he sees us. Well, he sees everything, right? And so we have to have this perspective as those who are faithful that it's not just about being faithful some of the time too, right? That we could do things well or we could do things right um, in certain areas like coming to church, like we come to church and we think, this is how we're supposed to act. We're supposed to be, you know, loving and kind. Um, but then when we walk out, like, we can act however we want. And that's not living a life faithful. That's not living a life that's ultimately devoted to ultimate authority, not no authority, right? And so maybe you've gotten your concept of authority from different places that kind of taught you about who God really is. Uh, and then he says in verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. 
And so throughout the scripture, we're going to see that David reminds us a lot about purification, about um, how, how God takes us and he refines us. And how does he do that? Well, he says this in verse 6, because if we're not seeking the Lord, if we're not devoted to him, if we're not being faithful, then we're in this place of um, being constantly pulled towards the world and this idea that there is no authority. There is nobody who can tell me what to do. There is no ultimate source of power and creation being God. And he says, the words of the Lord are pure words. You don't hear that very often, do you now, right? That there's like, hey, there are words that are true, that are always true, and there's this perfect truth that you can have, right? Um, now, the popular idea is, um, it's your truth, it's my truth, I can have my own, you can have yours, they can be completely different and both be true at the same time. Uh, now, there's a fundamental problem with that, isn't there? Um, just logically, and so what David says here is that we always have to go back to God's words, because even our own, like we come up with some crazy ideas, right? I mean, even as believers, sometimes we think this is a good idea, and then it's not, right? It's kind of like, the kid who thinks, man, if I, if I get in like an office chair and I just spin around and around and around and around and around, that's a good idea, right? That's fun. But at some point, that goes bad, doesn't it? They get sick, they fall off, and, oh, mom, dad, I'm so sorry. Well, I told you that wasn't going to work out, right? But David said, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. And this word here for pure in the Hebrew is tahor, and it means to be completely clean, no blemish, ethically or morally. And I know we like to think like most days when we get up and, and we're, if we would call ourselves believers, we're dedicated to the Lord and we would say like, hey, I, th- I think my words are pretty good words. Like if I had some advice for like, um, I know a lot of us are teachers and I love that. We can, I love our church because we're just kind of in a lot of different areas, which is really cool to me. Uh, but we have a lot of teachers. And so um, those of you who are our teachers now, retired, you know, you uh, you go to a place, um, you instruct people, you instruct young people on a regular basis, and that's awesome. And there are a lot of good things you have to say and, and to teach young people um, how to live and how to function in the world and receive knowledge. And I love that. Uh, and so we think we have really good words. And maybe a lot of times we do, but our words aren't like God's words. His words are pure. And so every word in His word is pure. Right? And, I, and I love that it's completely clean, no blemish ethically and morally. And so this is why I, just, I always want to encourage us that as we um, start the day, as we, or we're getting up and we're getting ready, that we don't, um, what we tend to do is kind of go to our, like our checklist, right? Of like, oh, I've got to get this done, I've got to do that, and oh, here's the thing I'm going to do, and I've got to go here and do this, instead of going straight to the Lord and going, God, I need your words. I need the pure words that will set the trajectory not only for my day, but for my week, for my month, for my year, and for my whole life. And, and if we can get that perspective, I think like David was trying to point us to, like God who was speaking through David to us, that the words of the Lord, Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. That's a lot of purification, right? Um, and, and we will never, I mean, even in our best day, um, no matter how um, smart we are, uh, we'll never have words like God's words. And so that's why we have to stick so close to him. When, when there's all these other things going on, I mean, you turn on the news, um, it just doesn't seem like it's a lot of good stuff, right? Uh, maybe a little bit more now than it was this time last year. Uh, but where should we go first? We should go to the pure words. And that's why I'm always, I, I, I always want to start off my day with saying, God, 
What do you have for me? What do you want me to do? What do your words say? Because those are going to be better than anything that I could come up with. And David reminds us of that. So this is this idea of having ultimate authority. So we know it's a popular idea in the world that there's no authority, right? But we have this source of ultimate authority informed by a God who who comes alongside us and he gives us this view of what it looks like to follow him. Uh, and then he, he tells us, hey, here's just some, some basic things you need to be thinking about. Pure words are important. My words are, are important. And uh, you need to be focused on them. And here's the last thing, last fill in the blank, God's protection. God's protection. And starting in verse 7. So after we look at this idea of no authority, now we have ultimate authority. And we look at this idea of God's protection. David shifts again and he goes to verse 7 and says, You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever. Uh, Now, when we see some of these things in the book of Psalms, other places in the Bibles about um, God's protection or his restoration or his kind of guiding us and keeping us, uh, we think, God is never going to let me go through anything tough. Um, He's never going to let me go through anything that's going to be terrible. Um, Surely he loves me and he would not want me to suffer at all. Well, what David is talking about here is this idea of keeping us close to God. Um, And it's not necessarily this idea that everything in life will be perfect and you will not experience difficulty. We know that, and it's been hard to even be around the last year if you've been, if you've left your house, you've probably experienced difficulty. If you turn on the news, you've experienced difficulty. And so David reminds us that God's protection is not necessarily how we think of it. And I love this uh, word here uh, for uh, when he says, uh, you, O Lord, will keep them. And it's this idea in the Hebrew, the word is nastar, uh, meaning to preserve or keep close. And so as we have navigated the season at times, I, th- I think it's easy just to go, man, God, it's been really rough. And uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to be faithful in a time that seems faithless. And David tells us, hey, there's this God, there's this Lord who will keep us. He's going to keep us as a whole, and it means to preserve us or keep us. And he's not necessarily talking about um, everything just being perfect, right? Um, there not being any illness, there's not being any difficulty, not even being like emotional um, and psychological trauma, right? Because I think as I've, I've talked with you guys and just um, other people um, in the community, um, there's a lot of that still, right? There's a lot of... Um, it's been hard, like my mind. I mean, the anxiety, the emotions, the struggle of, of what we've all been through uh, the last year. Uh, but David reminds us that God is preserving and he's keeping us close to himself. If we would, like David said, if we would focus on those pure words, if we would be intentional about um, being faithful and, and practicing that there is a God who is faithful to us and he just wants us to follow him faithfully. And so I like this in Matthew sixteen twenty five, um, reminds us, it says, uh, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Um, a lot of us think in popular culture that even being a Christian um, is about just having the good life um, or having things always go well or the way we want them. And we see historically that people who submit fully to God, that isn't always the way that things go. Um, I, uh, I was looking back to the life of uh, Polycarp, um, a guy who lived in a time of great persecution, um, and he lived his whole life following Jesus, and then at the end of his life, he was martyred for his faith. And when given the opportunity to to recant, to say, hey, you know what, if you would just say you don't believe in God anymore, um, then 
we'll let you go. And, and what was his response to his captors? He said, well, um, God hasn't failed me all this time, so why would I turn my back on him now? Uh, and we need to be reminded that that, that that is the case. God's always been faithful to us, so how can we do that? That's important for us to think about that. So as we look at the world around us and this idea that there's no authority, uh, that that's a common belief, and then we turn to our perspective is that we, uh, we, we need to have ultimate authority in our lives, um, that left to ourselves, we make a lot of bad decisions, right? And so we need to go back to, like David says, in the perspective of the rest of the world, and they live this way, we've got to go back to those pure words, that there's this word, God's word, that's reliable, that we can go to and say, God, I need your help. Um, as we start that day, um, I always, again, I, I start up my day in that way, and I, I kind of just, um, I go through uh, the armor of God, um, and I've been praying about that recently a lot. I think we're going to do a series maybe in the summer over that, um, just spiritual warfare, because it's been a tough season, right? Um, and every day I get up and I just say, God, hey, I can't do this on my own. I need your word. And I start praying through just different things in, in regards to the scriptures. And one of those is the armor of God. So, um, God, that I need your helmet, the helmet of salvation, right, uh, for my mind, um, that you would protect me. Uh, God, for my heart, what is it, the breastplate of righteousness, um, that you would protect my heart from all the wickedness, all the things that are going on in the world. I need your, uh, your presence um, in my life, and I don't want to be affected by that. What else do we need? We need the belt of truth, right? Um, that we would, as believers, we would say, oh, we would never tell a lie. But are we asking God for those things? Are we thinking about his pure word? God, I need that belt of truth that I would not uh, defame your name or anyone else's. Uh, and what else do I need? Well, we need a lot of the gospel of peace, right? It comes shod with those sandals or whatever shoe you put on in the day. Uh, we need those spiritual shoes of peace, right? Um, that we would be people who, who say we're Christians, but then we go into the world, and people go, man, that guy like that lady very peaceful. I mean, like, they're, 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 there's something different about them, right? What else do we need? Well, like David says, pure words. We need the spirit, uh, the word, the sword, right? And what else? The shield of faith. And what is that given to us for? I'm just constantly praying that on because I think what Satan's been doing during this time is just continually shooting flaming arrows at us, right? At our minds, at our hearts. And God gives us this shield, and we've talked about it throughout this series in the Psalms. Um, he gives us this shield that can extinguish every flaming arrow, of the enemy. That's a pretty good shield, isn't it? Um, that can take care of all those things. And we forget the last part, um, all prayer and supplication, that we would be seeking God uh, daily. And when we start to lose sight of those things, we move and we gravitate towards, is there really authority? Is there really anybody that can tell me what to do? Is there really anybody that can be the ultimate source of truth and guidance in my life? Well, yeah, there is. We have this ultimate source of truth and authority in our lives. And then we have this protection which is provided by God, but it's for preserving us for eternity and keeping us close to him. And then David closes out with verse 8. <clears throat> says, On every side the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man. And so uh, this might be uh, a strange place, you think, for David to end it. Because he says, On every side the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man. But it's really just about this awareness, right? Um, another response that sometimes we take as believers is just to bury our head in the sand, right? And just to go, okay, I'm just going to go to my happy place, and then when like all this is over, I'm going to come out, and things will be good, okay? Things will be good. I'm just so anxious about everything that's going on. Let me just go there, and I'll come out when it's done. But David says, on every side, the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man. 
Um, we're, we're supposed to do something, right? We're not just supposed to bury our head in the sand. We're supposed to be aware of everything that's going on, um, whether it's good or bad. And there's plenty of the bad things that we've seen, especially recently. And David says there's pers- this perspective we need to have, being rooted in this pure word, knowing that not everything's perfect and not everything will be until God returns. We've talked about that a lot. And when he returns and he restores everything and he makes everything right, um, that's when we won't think about these things. That's when we'll be with him in heaven forever. Uh, But it's reality. So what perspective do we need to take? What do we need to um, have uh, leaving this place? I love what um, James says in James 4.10. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Um, so, so what do we do? We do, we just sort of like pick ourselves up, you know, by our bootstraps and just say, man, it's been tough, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to be able to do it. And, um, you know, no matter how tough it is, how long did that last? Like in this last year, like how many months did we kind of go through this or we did, we do remote learning or remote work, um, or even coming back into the season of like, things are slowly getting normal again. How long does that work to just sort of say, I'm going to do it by my own power, by my own will. It doesn't work, right? It certainly doesn't work for any super long amount of time, especially when times are really difficult. So we have to go back to this place that we've got to go to God, to his word, to those pure words, and we have to humble ourselves before the Lord. And what does he do when we humble ourselves and we say, God, like every morning when we get up, instead of saying, I can do this, I got this, we say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. And what does he do? He lifts us up. He exalts us. And that's what he does for us when we, when we really are living faithfully, not thinking that we can do this all on our own. Uh, and so maybe um, you've been in one of those two places. Maybe you've, in the past you thought there's no authority, like there is no God, he can, no one can tell me what to do, and that probably went bad. And maybe you've come from that place, I hope, to a place of realizing there is ultimate authority. There is this God who, who, who is trying to lead us. If we would just say, God, we do need your help. We want to be humbled. We want to be close to you and the words that you give us. And that takes dedication, right? That takes a heart that's focused on God only, not like what David said, these, these people who are running around and they've got these heart hearts. They've got these double hearts. And we want to have a heart that's devoted to just God. And so in this idea of living faithful and, and trying to be faithful in a faithless time, um, I know we all like to think that like now is worse than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 50 years ago. There's always going to be things that make living in a world that's fallen, right? From the beginning of time when Adam and Eve took the fruit of that tree, which God said not to, sin entered the world, and it's been present ever since. And so we have to deal with that, that there's always going to be difficulty. There's always going to be trial. There's always going to be things we just go, God, why is that going on? Well, because we live in a sinful world, and God gives us this perspective. And so what does it look like to be faithful? Well, um, as we transition into next week, which will be Missions Sunday, and we'll have a special guest speaker with us uh, who's going to talk about that. I want to share you a story, with you a story about a missionary. Her name was Maria Dyer. She was born in, ni- in 1837 on the mission field in China. And her parents were pioneer missionaries, and they actually died at a young age. And, and she went back to live with her uncle, who was in London at the time. And, and she was so committed to the Lord that she kept saying, I'm going to go back and I'm going to be a missionary in China. I'm going to go back and be a missionary in China. And so for any person um, at a young age, that would have been really difficult, especially during that time, but especially a young woman. And when she turned 16, her and her cousin went back to the mission field and they went to a girls' school, and they began to um, share the gospel and witness, and they spent the rest of their lives there. 
Um, you can imagine how difficult that is to go from one culture to another and be placed in that place, and, and it wasn't without a cost. Um, she received a lot of blessings. You may have know her husband, Hudson Taylor, um, who was a faithful missionary as well in that area. Uh, they had nine children, and of those nine children, only four survived to adulthood in that setting in China. Um, just lack of medical care and the time. And she ended up passing away of cholera at the age of 43. And some people would read that and go, you know, maybe you could have stayed in London. Maybe things would have gone better. Uh, why would you go back to the mission field at 16 years of age and then never return to what you knew previously? And on her headstone, it says this, uh, words we probably all know, for her to live was Christ and to die was gain. So, I mean, what are our lives going to be about? I mean, there'll be a day when there'll be someone who comes after us who, who looks at that headstone and goes, like, what would be one thing that would characterize their life? And I know young people, you're like in here going, huh, that's so far away. I don't need to worry about that, right? But it could be closer than you think. And so why wait, right? Why wait to go, I want to be dedicated to being faithful. I want to be faithful to God, and it comes with seeking Him, knowing He's the ultimate authority, and there's not no authority, like a lot of the world would say, but that we focus in on what He has for us in His pure words, and that's how we do that. That's how we stay focused, and then maybe we could, we could have a life. Maybe you're not called to be a missionary, but maybe students, I don't know, maybe you're just called to be faithful in your school when things are weird, and you're like talking to people through plexiglass and with masks on, and it makes it even more difficult to share the gospel. It makes it even more awkward, right? We use that excuse. It's awkward to share with my friends about Jesus. But yet, God's called us to be faithful in all those areas. And living faithful in a faithless time means doing some tough things, right? Again, maybe it doesn't mean going to China and being a missionary, but what does it mean in the setting that God's called you to, especially in this season? What I've noticed is that people are looking for hope, um, even more now um, than they were a little over a year ago when we first knew COVID was going to affect the rest of our lives or the rest of at least this season. Uh, And we we have to continually ask ourselves, what does God want us to do in this season? And what purpose does he want us to have? Well, number one is to be faithful, like David said. Let's stick to his pure words. Let's be dedicated to him being the ultimate source of authority in our lives. And, and maybe you're here today, and maybe you're listening online, or you listen at another time, and um, you hear this and you just go, I'm not sure there's any source of ultimate authority. Well, I love what um, one of my friends uh, from Texas said when he put his faith and trust in Jesus. Somebody asked him this one question, what if you're wrong? And so I just want us to think about that. Maybe you're listening to it, or maybe you're just like, I know I need to make that decision to put my faith in Jesus Christ. That, Like we read in the quiet time today uh, in Luke, that Jesus went to the cross. He did suffer a terrible death. He did die. And when that happened, what did the scripture tell us? That this temple veil that separated us from the presence of God was ripped in half so that we could have direct access to God. And what happened? Well, he rose on that third day. And the scriptures tell us that if we would confess that with our mouths, then we'd be saved. And so maybe you're here today and you've never made that decision. I'd love to talk to you afterwards about that if you have not, okay? And so what I'd like to do for us is pray, and then we're going to go right into our time of the Lord's Supper. Um, so we do this uh, every couple of months um, to, like we read in the quiet time today, celebrate or do in remembrance of what God has done for us. So let me pray for us, and we'll enter into our communion time. Father, 
We uh, thank you for this time, for this season, um, a season of refining. Um, God, uh, like your word, is present in our lives, um, that we need this refining over and over and over again. And, and God, your word is the only thing that does that for us, this pure word in our lives. Uh, God, I pray that we would not live um, like those who don't know you. Um, God, as believers, that we would live like we do, um, that that unlike the world that lives with this idea that there is no authority, that there's no one who can tell them what to do, um, that there is no God, we know there is a God, and He changes us. You change us. You change our lives. Um, You mold us, and you're changing us into who you want us to be. Um, God, I pray that we would understand that and live in a world um, not burying our heads in the sand. I'm not pretending like um, things are not bad at times. They are. We know that. Uh, But God, I pray that we could live being faithful, knowing that like what David says, you have kept us You keep us, not only for eternal life, but in this life, you keep us close to yourself. Um, Help us to be faithful. Help us to seek you so that we can have that, uh, your protection and closeness. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. And so at this time, uh, 